After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Please move it. Please move it. Please move it. I got to admit this. I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on then. I'm bang on. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch it here. Good checking, guys. Good play. We're past the middle of March. We're past the middle of the NHL season. We're into the second half of all kinds of on-the-ice action. And you know, Josh, some of it is even legal and permitted, and I think we'll examine some of the gray areas as maybe the way to look at it this week. No, we don't We don't have guys doing things that are against the rules, or maybe they don't know what the rules are. Ah, uh, that is part of the issue. This is the Scouting the Rest podcast. It is brought to you by Manscaped. There are special savings for you with our partnership with Manscaped. If you go to manscaped.com and use the code REFS, of course it's going to be REFS. What else is it going to be on the Scouting the Rest podcast? Can you think of a better code, Josh? None. None better. You get 20% off. You get free shipping with the code. What is it again? REFS. Over the last couple of weeks, by the way, We've had a chance to check out a bunch of the really cool products that the folks at Manscaped have sent us. It's the same kind of products that you will get at great discount with the code REFS. I'm not sure I've been able to decide on my favorite. There's the super sharp but super safe trimmer with the guiding light from above. It's fantastic. (laughs) It is exactly what you want when you are working in such sensitive areas. Josh, I don't know about you. Are there any products that you have found to be a favorite? Well, I, there's a bunch of good stuff, uh, and I've checked out even some of their other offerings to see the shears, their their nail yeah. kit, which is pretty cool, and I'm hoping to check that out. But I think to me, Todd, the the biggest discovery, or the the biggest factor when it comes to the lawnmower is you have options. It's not all or nothing. It's not pave the lawn. You've got that <laughs> adjustability there, where where you can trim it and just leave it trimmed and and a little bit more natural. If you just want to go maybe not all in, or you know not for that smooth concrete in the front yard. You want to have some shrubberies or some landscaping there. So I think just that option is a good way to start and certainly improve the curb appeal of your property. Exactly. That's what you're looking for. And some of the other products are great too. The crop preserver, the crop reviver. It's hard to decide which one is best for those frequent uh, high traffic areas where where things get all bound up. If you need a little revitalizing, this is a a great product. The, The key also is you want to get the full package. Now, I don't know if I said that right. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe it's the performance package, I think, is what I'm trying. And, and you know, hey, in hockey, it's all about performance. You, you feel the same way. Uh, the key performance package has the crop preserver, the crop reviver, all kinds of other important pieces, and most importantly, the best trimmer anywhere for areas that require special attention. Go to manscaped.com, use our promo code REFS, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. He's Josh. I'm Todd. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. Follow us on our social media channels. For Josh, it's at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. And for me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on Twitter and Instagram as well. This week's episode, the question is posed, is boarding the new headshot? Or, if you prefer, all there is to know about boarding, or at least trying to untangle some of what's been called, what's not been called, what's been suspended when it comes to big hits in the NHL, plus... Get your elbows down. Does that about sum it up? It, it does. It does. We've, we've got some legalities and many illegalities taking place here. I have a question, though, off the top. And this doesn't have to do necessarily with officiating, but I'm wondering if it's applicable. 
The New York Rangers had their entire coaching staff sidelined on Wednesday due to COVID protocol. We hope that everyone recovers quickly. Now, that night, the blue shirts absolutely waxed the Flyers 9 to nothing, and it got me thinking. First off, coaches are way overrated in terms of importance. Do you agree? <laughs> well, if you're judging based on that particular game, uh, absolutely, because uh, no NHL coaches on the Rangers bench and a 9 nothing win. So, yeah, the, the evidence is strong for your argument there, Tom. The, the Hartford staff, I think, was there basically to fill out the lineup card, and that's about it. Maybe open and close the gates occasionally. But it also got me thinking further. Do you think if we did away with game supervisors, series supervisors in the playoffs, and all of those others that rate and review officials, get rid of them and just let the guys do their job. Think of how much smoother things might run. Oh, oh! so you, you want to, and I, I'm going to bite my tongue for this one, you want to remove the accountability that exists. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go that far. <laughs> but, but no, I, you know what, there's, there, I see where you're getting with this when it comes to the players, and I, I see what you mean with the officials, is you're managing things and your thought process is a little bit different when you know you're accountable to what the supervisor is holding you to and what other metrics and scorecards and mid-year reviews. It definitely factors your thought process when you're going into a game. I, I don't know how it could not. So would it be a different situation or would plays be called differently? Perhaps. Perhaps they would, Todd. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking that these guys are going out there every night and calling the best game possible. They know the rule book inside and out. There's always interpretations that you hope everybody gets on the same page with. But if you didn't have that extra worry there, would you call the game differently? And hmm. there's less paperwork, which is always a positive for me. Okay, some, some props before we get started. I'm watching the Calgary and Edmonton game last night, and the Battle of Alberta raged again. There was a great illustration, and kudos to Rick Ball, the play-by-play -play guy who was working last night, for laying out and letting the audio from the ice be heard because you would hear the referee hollering repeatedly, no whistle, no whistle, no whistle. He was communicating with the players in a scrum along the boards. There's no whistle coming. You guys got to figure it out. I thought it was great work. Yeah, yeah, that that always is. And it's always nice to hear it, which we're granted the additional opportunity to without fans getting in there and wrecking the audio quality of the officials on the ice. So just another sneak peek of what happens at ice level and what kinds of things are going on when, as a fan watching at home, maybe you don't see or hear this interaction, but between the players and the officials, it is constant and it's always going on, especially with some of the guys who are letting them know hits that are just over the line or, or maybe just on the legal side of the play or giving those warnings, or in this case, urging guys to move the puck so that urging guys to move the puck before they do have to blow the whistle. Okay, so let's get into the hits now. These are the ones that everybody's been talking about for days. You've been getting lots of feedback and questions and comments on social media. So let's discuss a little bit. First up, it's Carson Soucy of the Minnesota Wild, who got dinged for a game for trying to staple Connor Garland of the Arizona Coyotes into the glass. Garland is collecting the puck along the sideboards. Soucy approaches for the hit. As he arrives, he propels himself upward. The elbow comes up. His skates lose contact with the ice isn't that a better way to say it then he left his feet or his feet <laughs> left his skates lose contact with the ice and he wound up clobbering uh, Connor Garland so he gets called for a major they review it's confirmed he's done the hearing from player safety comes and with Dante Fabro's hit on Brock McGinn this was pretty straightforward Susie gets a game suspension here yeah and that was the right call and I'm glad to see that they assessed it appropriately 
It was the right call on the ice. It was the right call by player safety. It was a situation where a legal check would have been easily delivered on the play. Susie could have kept it physical, still sent the message with just a shoulder into the body. But, you know, you, you stick that elbow out, you go up high on a guy, you deserve to sit for a game. To me, Todd, this was a no-brainer. The Scouting the Rest podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Use the code REFS for your order. You'll receive 20% off and free shipping. Okay, so now on to another play and another game and the one that continues to cause discussion, debate, and some confusion. The game between the Bruins and the Pens, Pittsburgh's Brandon Tanev was being his disruptive self, and he skates across the ice and inflicts a big hit on Bruins defenseman Jared Tenorti. The force and the location of the hit, plus Tenorti being in the act of shooting the puck into the Penguin zone, caused him to spill onto the ice and crash into the boards. He had little to no time to brace himself and hit heavily. I don't believe he hit his head against the boards, but he did get up a little bit woozy, and understandably so. He left the game, did not return. Tanev wound up getting five and a game. The only thing is, though, and this is where I guess the discussion will start, there are a lot of us that aren't sure if this was actually a penalty. There are not. There was a whole lot of dispute on social media and in between periods with the commentators, both broadcast teams, a lot of different opinions on it. Was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? And then if it was a penalty, which penalty was it? Mm-hmm. And we can look at two in this case, which we've got the boarding penalty, which under Rule 41, any player who checks or pushes a defenseless opponent that causes him to impact the boards violently, which certainly happened in this case. It was the impact from the boards that was the issue. There's no question that Tanev's contact, which he initiated, caused that, or that Tenorti was somewhat defenseless, having just dumped the puck into the zone and still following through on his shot. That being said, we were a decent distance from the boards, where typically your, your boarding calls are in closer proximity. However, the nature of the hit still caused what is described as a boarding penalty. And we can also take a look, as some fans did, especially when you saw the wide-angle view, which was not shown by the Pittsburgh team on their replays. Coincidentally, yeah, yes. Yeah, funny about that, where you can see Tanev flying across the ice. It's, I want to say, six or seven strong strides, making a beeline for a player who injured a top Pittsburgh player earlier in the game. Not that I want to factor that into the official's decision, but when you're looking at a possible charge or targeting, it's it's just part of the fact of, of what happened prior to this. So you've got him taking some strong strides across the ice, lining up the hit, and potentially a charging play, which doesn't mean leaving your feet or leaving the ice or jumping or whichever expression you like, because we are, <laughs> as you mentioned earlier, we're, we are technically not removing the feet from the player. No, no. But, Skates from the ice. Right. But it's, yeah. it's, it's in charging. It's the distance traveled that results in a violent check. So could have potentially been charging on the play. In either case, We've got a major penalty that carries a game misconduct with a head injury. So the net outcome would have been the same. And I can understand the officials call on the ice to call the major penalty, review it and and stand by it just based on the way the hit came in. I, I don't think this rises to the level of player safety coming in to levy some discipline, but I, I do think it was a dangerous hit. It's just it's a tough call. And I, I know some folks just couldn't find that balance between is it a legal hit that went wrong? Is it a legal hit that just resulted in injury because of the proximity to the boards? Or was it a hit that may have been legal, but because of the violent impact of the board that resulted from the hit, 
falls under boarding. So yet definitely one that, that raised a lot of dispute and a lot of challenges on whether or not this was the right call. And certainly the Pittsburgh bench felt this was no penalty. Brandon Tanev will say was rather expressive in his disbelief that A, he was penalized and two, he was subsequently thrown out of the game for that hit. I watched this and I watched it and I watched it, all the angles, and I will agree that it's not the number of strides you take, but Brandon Tanev absolutely was seeking out the puck carrier who happened to be Jared Tenorti at the time as he was crossing the red line and trying to hurry him, rush him, and inflict a hit. I think it was a, a hit that resulted in a in an injury to a player, and I think as much as anything, that was what we have penalized on this play. Yeah, and, and that's unfortunate. I mean, certainly any legal hit that causes an injury is unfortunate, and any penalty that causes an injury is equally unfortunate. But I think sometimes you have to be careful not to officiate by outcome. And mm -hmm. what I mean is if it's a legal hit that happens to cause an injury and it's, it is an unfortunate play, but you don't necessarily penalize the hitting player on the flip side. If it's a, an illegal hit or a dangerous hit and the player manages to avoid getting injured on the play, that doesn't excuse it. So I think there are certainly cases when injury drives the penalty. And, and I think one of those things that you really need to look for is that we can't judge intent, but we can judge actions. And if the actions were dangerous or they put a player in a very precarious spot or potentially caused injury, the guy shouldn't get off the hook just because there wasn't an injury on the play. And we also need to make sure we're not penalizing guys where an injury does result if the hit was legal. So I, I think that's a, a tough balance there, Todd, because certainly human nature says the guy's injured on the play. We got to call something, right? Uh, understandable as you want to protect the players. And and that is certainly safety is, is a major aspect and why the officials rule the way that they do. And I can and I can understand and appreciate that. I'm also I'm playing devil's advocate to all sides here. Brandon Tanev is trying to make a play. He's trying to, to make a hit. If he does not hit Jared Tenorti at the exact moment that he is on, I believe, just his left leg and flipping the puck into the zone, you don't have the same kind of catastrophic result. I understand that the emphasis is on the player to avoid contact when a player is in a vulnerable position, but that's an almost impossible ask at this point. It is. It, it, avoiding contact is it, it really impossible, especially at the speed he was traveling. So did he do anything to minimize contact on the hit? It's, it, it is tricky. And then that's part of why boarding itself is immensely based on the judgment of the officials and determining you know, what their interpretation of the situation was. Could he have avoided contact? Could he have minimized the check? Did the opponent put himself in a vulnerable position that contributed to the dangerous nature of the hit? And those are all factors that go in, but it, it is really a judgment call. And those, Todd, are the hardest to pull the curtain back on and really get an explanation because there is so much that goes into the determination of the outcome there. And it's really up to the referee's judgment. And I think this is where much of the debate and discussion comes. And in some cases, the confusion. Penguins captain Sidney Crosby commented, there seems to be a lot of confusion and misunderstanding about what is and isn't allowed when hitting an opponent. I didn't think that it, it warranted a five-minute. Um, you know, the refs are out there. They're trying to protect us and keep us safe. I get it. I can I can see them trying to do that, but um, I didn't I didn't see it that way. And uh, hope as players we can get some clarity on what 
what's a good hit and what's not. I mean, it's uh, it's tough to really gauge when you're out there. I know it's fast, but right now it's it's really hard to to know what what is in fact clean and what's not. And when you're out there playing, it's it's important that you do know that. If they're going to err on the side of, of protecting us, I don't think I'm ever going to argue that as a player. You know, especially with with uh, Tenorti being hurt and uh, you know see him going awkwardly. I get it. Um, it's it's understanding that and i think you know you see some hits throughout the league especially you know in the first half of the season here and it's it's hard as a player to know you know we look at a hit and we think oh that's a suspension and it's not or we think it's a penalty and it's not and then you see a hit, hit like that you don't expect a five minute major and it ends up being one so you know I, I think it's just it seems like it's a little gray right now now a couple of things here crosby is of course backing up his teammate and understandably so but for Sidney Crosby to make the comments that he did about needing clarity and needing some more information, I'm going to paraphrase Fred Thompson in The Hunt for Red October here. Sidney Crosby doesn't take a dump without a plan. <laughs> Sidney is as buttoned down and polished as anyone. He is not saying this, that there is confusion and they need better clarity from the officials in the league unless he is sending a message to the league. He is not calling anyone out. He is being respectful, but he is also making a point. He absolutely is. And that is a, that is a terrific. Now I can't get that quote out of my head. But um, <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> Crosby really approached this in... I think the most constructive possible way. Uh, and I certainly appreciate that regardless of his take on it. And he said he didn't think it warranted a penalty, but you know, he is looking at it from the official's point of view of trying to protect the players, keep players safe. He says he disagreed with the call, but I think at least he's understanding that it's a tough spot they're in. They do have an obligation to avoid putting guys in tough spots or avoid players that are, maybe making a dangerous hit or or risking the safety of others on the ice. So I, I'm glad that he appreciates that, especially with his injury history. But mm -hmm. his focus was not on, was it the right call? Was it the wrong call? He disagreed with it, but his focus was really on, tell us what the right call is. Tell us what this would be. Explain the rules a little bit better. And boy, can anybody blame him? No, I, I, this is exactly it. And I think this is part of the reason we're having such debate about this particular hit as, as well as another one we're going to get to in a second. If the rules are easy to interpret and understand, and I understand that not everything is going to be yes or no, but if there is a little more clarity and a little more explanation offered, then I think that's helpful to everyone. I think it will be helpful to new fans of the game as well. Well, absolutely. Old fans, new fans. I mean, we we know folks that have been watching the game for decades. We know guys that have been broadcasting the game for decades <laughs> that still struggle with the rule book and interpretation. So I think from top to bottom, understanding the rules or clearing up what some fans figure as, you know, the wheel of justice or the inconsistency of the officials and all of those things. If they understood the rules and it was a bit more of a transparent process or a bit clearer on why a certain play was or wasn't a penalty, I think that would improve all of that. It'd make more knowledgeable fans, it'd make for better broadcasting, and it would make for a little bit more confidence in the officiating crew that's out there. All right. So with that in mind, let's throw another log on the fire. Uh, hitting from behind, if you will, is really the question here. Wednesday night in the San Jose Sharks and Vegas Golden Knights contest, Radim Simic of the Sharks sees Ryan Reeves' numbers, at least it certainly appeared as if he did, follows through from behind, has him contact the boards, 
heavily. His head clunks the glass. The referee is standing beside him. I'm not sure if it was Wes McCauley or Dean Morton, but it's two senior guys and there was no call. It, it is not the most dangerous, most heinous hit that I have ever seen, but I do believe it is a penalty. Well, it was a hit right through the numbers, and you, you did see Reeves go into the boards awkwardly. I was a bit surprised there was no call on the play. I'm hoping that this was one where, and I have the benefit of replay. We've watched it many times from multiple mm -hmm. different angles, so I certainly can't say what it looked like to the officials on the ice, but perhaps it doesn't rise to the level of a major, and it, I don't think it rises to the level of requiring player safety to weigh in, but certainly wouldn't be inappropriate to call a penalty on the play. He was hit from behind, into the boards, head first. Like you said, Todd, not the most egregious hit, not the most dangerous. Uh, Simic wasn't necessarily driving through. He wasn't going to target the head. But uh, one where I think these are the types of plays where even if it's just a minor, I, I would like to see something called because they are the ones that could be dangerous. These are the types of hits that do result in potentially serious injuries. I think it would serve as a, it serves as an enforcement of the rule, but I think it's also a steady reminder that this is, this is not only on the line, it's a little bit over. You do not want to go any further over. And I don't want to say that you're looking the other way, but you're in a sense giving the benefit of the doubt. Okay, well, it was, it's a little bit over the line, but we're going to let it go this time. And it just... Everybody knows that players, if you give them a little bit, they're going to keep trying to take a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I think a little stopping this kind of stuff in its tracks would go a long way. Sure. And if every time you hit through the numbers like that, and there were a few other games where we've seen similar hits lately, even if it's just a minor penalty, it's, it's the type of thing that is clearly a violation of the rules and something that we don't want to see it escalate. Like you said, Todd, mm -hmm. I don't think a warning to the guy to say, hey, watch the numbers. I think that, that at that point, we're a little bit past that. And uh, maybe it is only a minor, but to to not call it, it just leads to escalating. If he got away with it this time, well, maybe Simic ratchets that up a little bit next time and actually drives through the hit. And maybe the outcome is a little bit worse. So yeah, the the best way to put a stop to it is to start calling it. I'm thinking that maybe, in a sense, we're not going to give players the benefit of the doubt. Hear me out on this one. This way, if you if you always penalize something like this, it's bang, it's just, it's an automatic, the arm goes up, as opposed to, well, it's pretty close, I'll let it go this time. If it's automatic, it always happens, and treat it that way, you're essentially, in my mind, reinforcing, these are the greatest, most talented players in the world, which they are. They do things that we are not able to do out on the ice, whether it's hitting physically or stick handling or shooting or skating, they know where the line is. If they cross over it, it's because they are trying to keep a foot on the line or maybe hovering just above the line so as not to get dinged with a penalty. They are trying to go as far as they can, and it's up to us to stop them. And I think that's the right way to approach it. I think you've got the line, and... It's it's certain situations where maybe we've got a stick up and there's no change of possession or the play isn't significantly impacted. I can see where those areas are a little bit more gray. But when it comes to something like a hit through the numbers, I think not giving the benefit of the doubt is, is really the way to go to just reinforce that. And then trickling down to all levels that you can't hit a guy through the numbers, period. The players will adapt. They'll learn to adjust their hits. Like you said, they're the most talented guys in the world. 
they can figure out that this isn't going to be allowed anymore. They can adjust how they're hitting, how they're playing the game. And by no means is this taking hitting out of the game. It's just telling the top hockey players in the world to be smarter about how and when they deliver those checks. That's right. One ping only, please. <laughs> Yeah, so let's let's be careful out there, guys. Let's uh, <laughs> you know let's let's not try to to railroad Reeves through the boards here. As much as many players may want to, and as much as his reputation precedes him when it comes to, I'm sure plenty of other players who don't mind seeing him go into the boards. Right. I, I didn't even want to uh, bring that up as a, as a topic. It's just the you know what? It's irrelevant who the player is. It's, right. It's the act that is to is to be questioned. Okay, exactly. I think we're clear. I think we're all on the same page here. It's just let's penalize the calls appropriately. This would, I believe, be a two-minute minor penalty. doesn't escalate beyond that. But if we stay on top of it, we stay consistent, and essentially do what coaches say. Be consistent. Give us 100% every night. Don't need 110%, just 100%. The Scouting the Refs podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code REFS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code REFS. That's R-E-F-S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.